Today's scripture comes from Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 29. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Isaac left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then, take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said, asked his son, How did you find us so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is, the smell, is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you, give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. It's good to see everyone here. And um, I just want to give a shout out to our football team who played so well in, was it 48, 9 degree weather in the rain? 
Even I couldn't stay out there that long. But can we show some appreciation for representing? Yeah. I've heard because of a technicality and someone forfeited that we are now in the playoffs, so yes. I'm just kidding. We, we played uh, well, and um, I heard this year there's a lot of good teams in the tournament, and um, it is actually Paul, and I think Pastor Sam that helped organize this and put this together, so my thanks to them. There, the championships or the playoffs are this Saturday, starting at 9? Nine o'clock, around there, at Overpack in Leonia. Okay, so if you want to be there to support, please be there. And let's just hope that it doesn't rain and it's a little warmer. Um, I think one of the things that football, the football team says uh, when they come together and, you know, they have their huddle and then when they break, you know, when you break, you say something, right? I think one of the things they say is family, Right? And I thought that was kind of poignant as I go into uh, this portion of Genesis. It's about family. I don't think any just kind of family is the highlight. It's not the pinnacle. Just the fact that we are a family doesn't solve every problem, right? What kind of family is also important. You know, are we a dysfunctional family? It's still a family, but it's dysfunctional. Are we a godly family? And we want to explore, as we go into, continue on in Genesis, explore chapter 27. And I just want to go through it with you, and Hannah read it so well. It's a, it's a long passage, but if I could, I would just have her read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is so wonderful. But this was just, I couldn't take this out. Uh, we needed at least 1 through 29. And so it begins by saying this. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. He goes, Here I am, Esau answered. He's like, I'm an old man. I don't know when I'm going to die. So I want you to get me some of that meat that I love so much. And if it was any other circumstance, and if this was just a standalone passage, perhaps you would think, oh, that's kind of, you know, sweet. He wants to bless him. So he wants the traditional food and the setting so that he can bless him. But we know from last week that this is not anything but traditional. We know that Isaac loves food. He loves meat. He loves the game that his son brings him. And that he likes it so much that this was a very high priority. Secondly, it says when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak, so now that your eyes are going so bad you can barely see, perhaps you might think, yeah, maybe Isaac's time is coming close. So this would be a classic uh, Middle Eastern or Asian Deathbed scenario. I don't know about you, but when I was in, in front of my grandfather's deathbed, he would say things to me and tell me to be a certain somebody and be a blessing, and he would bless me. So this was a deathbed scenario. But if you think about it very closely, there are some things that should stand out. 
that's a little odd. First of all, if you've read the Bible, which you've all done in the 90-day reading or the one-year Bible, this is chapter 27. He doesn't actually pass away until like chapter 30-something. So even though it is a deathbed scenario, he lives so long that in the Bible it shows you that he was there for Joseph's birth. This is to see not just Jacob, but Jacob's um, 11th son. So he lived that long. So when you're, when you're seeing this all in perspective, you might start thinking, was Isaac just hungry? I'm not sure. He just really likes that food. Huh? He really likes that, that meat. But he's like, he's very emotional. He's dramatic. I'm about to die. You know he doesn't die until 180 years old. But he's like, I'm about to die. But I will, in verse 4, it says, bring me that kind of tasty food. And this adject, all these adjectival words are put in there. Tasty food. I love to eat it. Then I'll bless you before I die. So now we have this scenario. And this scenario is just weird in general. You know, let's say you were about to pass. You got old. Who are you going to invite? In Isaac, he just invites Esau. He doesn't invite anybody else. So he just invites his older son. And you might think maybe because it's his favorite, sure. Maybe he just wants food, maybe. But it's anything but ordinary because no one else is there. He just goes, my son. And Esau's like, yeah, I'm here. And so in verse 5, there's an introduction to another character. And that character is Rebecca, Isaac's wife, and Esau and Jacob's mother. Rebecca, it says here, was listening as Isaac spoke to Esau. And Esau left, and Rebekah calls her favorite son now and tells him about the plan and what to do. A lot of people see this story, especially when we heard it as a child. I don't know how many of us grew up in Sunday school, but when you hear it as a child, you think, oh, Jacob, what a sneaky guy. Look what he did. He put this like goat hair on his wrists and his neck. He wears his brother's clothes. And then when his dad calls him, he's like, yeah, it's me. Give me my blessing, sucker. And then we kind of think in that way. But even in this opening scenario, was it that way? And if we are a family, the question was, are we a functional family or are we a dysfunctional family? Is Jacob a stand-alone trickster in this story or do we see a lot of tricksters playing tricks on each other, deceiving each other? A back and forth that's so, just so weird. And you just gotta, you can't help but to notice when you read this passage. Jacob's mother, Rebecca, says to Jacob, I want you to do this and that for me. But when she says it, first she goes, Listen to me, uh, obey my voice. Um, in the ESV, or if you read the NRSV, or if you read a direct uh, Jewish translation, it's uh, listen to my voice. But that listen, that word listen is more like hearken. 
it's hearken to my voice. And we don't have that, uh, that saying now in modern English, but it's more like there are so many voices out there. Isn't there, Jacob? Aren't there so many voices out there? But I want you to listen to my voice. That's what it means. Listen to my voice. Obey me. But not only does she say it in the beginning of her conversation, she says it at the end when Jacob is like, wait, I don't think this is going to fly, Mom. I know you like me and all, but I think I'm going to be caught. And to be honest, I think Dad is just playing us because he just wants some karbitang. Seriously, that's what he wants. So he's, I think he's playing us. So I don't think it's going to work. And then she goes to him and says, hearken to my voice one more time. There's so many voices. There's so many dots, aren't there? Listen to me. And then she says in verse 13, I don't know why, but she says this, let the curse fall on me. If there's a curse, if there's any curse in this deceiving process, I'll take the curse. I don't know if that's like a bold thing for a mom to say, but to receive a curse is not a good thing. It's not a happy thing. And uh, this is just a side note. If you're really into this history stuff, uh, Rebecca, after this chapter and the next, is never mentioned again. Um, very, very oddly enough, unlike tradition, we know where Sarah was buried, we know where Leah was buried, and all these other people. We don't know where Rebecca was buried. She just disappears from the narrative. So this verse 13 is scary. So I would think, if you're going to say something, let's not say something like, let the curse fall on me. I'll take the blame, you guys. Let's go. Uh, that's a kind of a very dangerous thing. But Jacob listens. And so he brings these things to his mother, and his mother prepares another adjective, tasty, yum, food, just the right amount of MSG, just the way the father liked it, right? And then Rebecca takes the clothes of Esau, puts it on her son, and then she covers, she does all these things to Jacob. And Jacob, who is supposed to be known like his namesake, remember, as a trickster, as someone who deceives, Jacob, oddly enough, ironically enough, is the one that's nervous. Jacob goes, when he goes inside, he just goes to his father and he goes, my father. That's it. Nothing familial, Nothing cordial, just very, very distant, my father. And he goes, yes, my son, who is it? And then he has to explain himself. I am Esau, your firstborn. <laughs> I, I think that's just odd. You know, if I go to my mom, I don't go, my mom's like, who is this? I don't go, this is Eugene, your firstborn son. I just go, it's me, right? But he goes, this is Esau, your firstborn son, in case you forgot, right? This is Esau. And then... There's a little bit of uh, just, you know, awkwardness, but also some maybe doubt in Isaac. But you have to also remember, he was probably pretty hungry by then. So he's like, why don't you come here? And he does this really quick, quick um, test. And then he brings him the food. And after he eats, he goes, come here. And now when you're full, you're happy. You're so happy, right? You had that perfect meal. You're so happy. He's like, come here. And as he smells, <laughs> it's very like romantic. He smells his son's clothes. And he gives him this incredible blessing. The blessing that says, ah, oh, 
the smell of my son. <laughs> Smells like the field where my food is brought from, that kind of thing, right? And so he gives this incredible blessing. And then what we do as Bible scholars or pastors, we always compare with other places, right? This is what we call exegesis. We want to compare it. So we compare with other blessings and other, other places where things like that happen. And this is a little bit out of the ordinary. When Jacob blesses his sons on his deathbed, he brings them all together. He brings them all together and not everything is, ah, you smell so good. The field, the flowers. He, he blesses, and in chapter 48, you can look afterwards, but he blesses them, and he blesses them as, he's, as if he's teaching them still, as if he's teaching them. And some of them were really good, some of them were really bad, but a lot of them were balanced. Like, this is who you are, and I want you to use that. But this blessing, let's see it again. This is such an incredible one-sided blessing. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. This is truly a very full and incredible blessing. Now, when we go to this passage and see things like this, and we see right after this passage, Esau comes in. He goes, all right, Dad, I'm ready. Give me my blessing. And Isaac's like, wait, what? I just gave the blessing. And then you see Esau so mad. He's like, when my father dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. Little does Esau know, he's not going to die for a really long time, so Esau just has to hold it in. So he says these things, and he's so mad. But Esau, wasn't he the one last week when we look? He's the one that despised his birthright. He said, I don't want this junk. I don't want any of the responsibilities. I don't want any kind of honor that might come with it. I don't need that. You know what I want? I want some stew. I want some bean stew, some porridge to fill my belly right now I don't care about that stuff but when was he angry he was angry when there was blessings involved when there was something that he had to benefit from so when he had the blessings that he want he wanted to get he got angry first of all perhaps if he was honest he might have told his dad about the whole dealing he had with his brother oh guess what dad I know you want to bless me as your firstborn but I want to be honest with you. I sold my birthrights for some red stew. It was Campbell soup, and it was awesome, and I don't regret one bit of it. He might have said that if he was really honest, but he didn't because he wanted that blessing for himself. And perhaps then Isaac might have been like, oh, well, just get me the game anyway because I'm really hungry. <laughs> I don't know. So we don't know because even from the beginning, there was deceit after deceit after deceit. I do not think if you look in this passage, you can honestly say, honestly say that Jacob was the only one deceitful. In fact, you see a whole family of tricksters and deceit. Why? Because it surrounds the blessing. 
It surrounds this notion of the blessing. I want something for myself, basically, is what it is. But we have to know what a blessing is. Number one, what is a blessing? Blessings are a gift from God. We have to understand this. Blessings are a gift from God. When God initially created the world, he blessed the world. He said, I bless the Sabbath. I bless the seventh day. Blessings are a gift from God. Number two, blessings are a gift of grace. What did humanity or the world ever do to deserve rest? We didn't even work yet. And yet God had blessed humanity with Sabbath rest, that they can experience rest, blessed humanity with fruitfulness so they can succeed. It's a gift of grace, not because of anything that we earned, but because God is the source of blessing and God gives grace. And number three, and this is the clincher, this is what we have to understand about blessings. Blessings are meant to be given to others. Blessings are meant to be given to others. When we think I need to be blessed, when we think I need to do this so I can become blessed, I should go out so I can get my belly full, I should go out because I want to usurp the head of the family and I want my own agenda put out there, I want to go out because I want this blessing, me, 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 then it becomes a family, sure, but it becomes a dysfunctional family. What we have to really understand is that blessings are meant to be given to others. You know, we are now in a road or on a road to independence. I wanted to start off with an eight-week study from the eight-week Bible study on 1 John, we're going to go into a 40-day prayer. And after the 40-day prayer as a church, I want to celebrate. We want to celebrate with food, with a grand feast. And these three elements are in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And we want to do as the apostles did as we go independent, as we become a church, to be the church. Not just play church, but to be the church. For what reason, though? For what reason are we becoming the church? Is it so that we only get the blessings? And if so, we will be a family, no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind we will become an independent church. We will be a family. But the question is not, will we be a family or not? The question is, we, will we be a functional family? Or will we be a dysfunctional family? And my prayer is as we do this, we'll receive, we, we will see that blessings, the blessings that this church will harness and hone were meant to be given. It's meant to be given to others. This is a writer. Uh, her name is Mary Ann Bird. And she wrote this. I grew up knowing I was different. I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. 
When I started school, my classmates made it clear how I looked to others. Little girl, misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than be born different. I was convinced nobody outside my family could love me. Then there was a teacher in second grade we adored, Miss Leonard. Annually, we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everybody in the class. Finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years, as we stood against the door and covered one year, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper, and we'd have to repeat it back, something like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? I waited there for the words. God must have put in her mouth those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in a whisper, I wish you were my little girl. What an incredible blessing we've been given. What marvelous words were whispered in our ears. The ultimate blessing we have been given is that we have been called children of God. Jesus calls us to himself, and we have a personal relationship with the most loving and absolutely beautiful Savior. Now we are called to be a blessing. Who do you think God had in mind when he blessed the Sabbath? Who did he have in mind when he blessed man and woman and said, be fruitful? Who do you think the church is for? Who do you think we are supposed to bless? Let's remember this as we study this passage and as we are reminded, the whisper that we hear isn't because we deserved it. The whisper that we hear is because God is faithful and God is merciful and God is good. And he whispers in your ears now, you who belong to him, his precious children. Let's pray. What is it that you really need to do to open the door as Jesus knocks on the door of your heart? As he wants to enter and have a relationship with you? As he wants to be in your life so that he can bless you and so that you can be a blessing. Is there anything holding you back? Is there any dysfunction that's keeping you? Then now is the time to lift up your heart to him in prayer, knowing that our God, his ears and eyes do not fail him, and he hears and he sees what is going on in your heart. Let's take this time to lift up our prayers to the Lord.